everybody. Welcome back to the Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast. Glad to have y'all back with us, uh, trying to increase the quantity and the quality, and we're going to do that again today. First off, though, uh, get to RiflesOnly.com and get on the newsletter. We have a newsletter that's coming out today, and um, there's going to be some some uh, deals and everything that's going on with the with the, uh, with the retail side of the house as well as the training side of the house. Keep in mind that the February 13th starts up to train up for the brawl, the 2023 brawl. And then the brawl is on the 17th and 18th. So we'll have three days of, of just kind of range familiarization, little train up here. And then, uh, and then we'll get on the brawl on the 17th and 18th, uh, always third weekend in February. So we should have really good weather, maybe not freezing like the last two years, but hopefully that'll work out. All right. Um, still, still looking for some new intro music, JCD. Let me know when we can get that going. But um, yeah, get on the www.riflesonly.com, get on the on the website, get signed up for the newsletter, keeps you posted. Again, if you want to uh, email this podcast directly, it's R-O-A-P at riflesonly.com, riflesonlyaccuracypodcast at, at riflesonly.com. But give us, a, give us a, an email and let us know any questions that you have or anything else. And I'm still working on the questions that y'all had about the barrel about the uh, the barrels and um, and the heat treating and things like that, I'm working on it. So just give me a little bit of time. But again, in keeping with uh, getting the quality up, we have another guest with us today, and I am very very excited about this gentleman. I've known for a long long time. Always been a big supporter of of rifles only and the brawl and the shooting community in general uh, across the board. I've got several stories about this company that really uh, shed a very very positive light on it with the way they take care of their customers. But with me today is Scott Parks. Scott. Say hello. Hey guys, how's it going? Well, good, man. Well, Scott, you're 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 in charge of product development out there at Vortex. Uh, not in charge of it. No, I um. So I, I work in the product development part, department and um, manage our uh, mainly SOCOM uh, interactions. Okay. All right. Very good. Very good. Oh, how long? How long have you been there? And and how long has Vortex been around? Um, so I've been here, uh, almost 13 years now okay. and, uh, the Vortex name has been around for almost 20. All right. All right. Hey, how'd you, how, what'd you do before you went to Vortex? Um, well, I've, you know, I've, I've kind of been one of those lucky people that just always falls into jobs that, um, are, just seem to be pretty cool. You know, mm-hmm. I, Years ago, growing up, well, I played baseball out of high school and then um, did some, uh, well, did some things in some clubs that, well, as you know, I'm not a small individual. No, right? no, um, you're not. And uh, so I had, you know, some job at some places with some fairly good scenery for a 20-year-old, I guess. Uh, then I, um, I did... Uh, Worked for Mercury Marine for a while as a tech technician, mm-hmm. and then um, you know, then I then I kind of grew up and started my own free service and um, got that off the ground in Florida, which is where I grew up. Was Florida mm-hmm. um, sold that, moved up to Wisconsin, started running an FFL up here, and then um, in two thousand nine, uh, ran into Vortex and. Uh, and I've been working here ever since. All right, cool, man. Cool. That's awesome. That's an that's an interesting interesting upbringing. You said you grew up in Florida. Yeah, yeah, born and raised. All right, nice. 
Nice. Well, I guess where you are now, you don't have to worry about hurricanes anymore. No, well, to be honest with you, growing up in Florida, you didn't really worry about them then either. <laughs> uh, you kind of just used to them. Um, kind of where I lived was generally pretty safe for some, uh, just because it was smack dab. You know, if you if you know Florida at all, there's uh, you've got Charlotte Harbor, which is shallow, warm water, mm-hmm. um, which is where this last hurricane went into. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple hours north of that, you have Tampa Bay, which is also shallow, warm water, right. which you know, hurricanes are attracted to that. Right. And I lived in the middle of that. I lived in Sarasota County, mm-hmm. uh, which, uh, you know, fun fact, the, the natives of Florida back in the day used during hurricane season would actually migrate to the Sarasota area because it was the one spot in Florida that over time they had recorded that just never gets hit never gets hit by or never takes direct hits by hurricanes right um so we generally quite honestly we had like hurricane parties you know it sounds kind of silly but it's the truth you yeah. know like, there's yeah. hurricanes where you know we either out of school or out of work and right um i i mean we never evacuated the whole i mean i was there 30 years never yeah. once evacuated yeah, we get them here where we are too, and we we never evacuate. We stay here. And yeah, in my in my college days, there were some there were some hurricane parties that went on. So yeah, I kind of I kind of get that. I understand it. Well, cool deal, man. Yep. Well, as you as you went into Vortex, what did you what did you start out doing with them? I mean, uh, like first day on the job, what were you doing? Um, honestly, Ant, just uh, so when I started here, we were kind of just getting into the you know, quote, tactical market. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, and I had just, you know, a little bit of, you know, shooting experience, little competitions here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, uh, so it was just, it just ended up kind of being a good fit. And, um, you know, but at first it was, uh, you know, man and sniper side, um, right. and all the forums and, answering phone calls and tech support um you know and and at that time we you know we were we we're a, a relatively you know at least compared to now a relatively smaller company um and uh you know we all pretty much everybody in the company could shout at each other across the room and yeah you could see everybody that worked for vortex and you know in, in the office pretty much right um with a few exceptions and um you know so everybody was involved with with everything back then you know it was was a young company and as young companies go you know everybody kind of pitches in you know right yeah absolutely absolutely well talking about um talking about the product line i I, recently the the new gen 3 came out within the last year or so yeah 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 the 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 higher mag, yeah. The one to ten came out a couple of years ago, and then mm-hmm. the thirty six came out uh, earlier this, yeah, this year. Yeah, yeah. I had a I had a class over the weekend, and there were there were two of those in the class. Um, so there yeah. were six people here for that. It was kind of a private group that wanted training, and two of them were running the running the new vortex. And I, you know, I've I've seen them I've seen them a lot. You know, here just recently, you know, come through rifles only, and it seems like that they're a little bit easier to uh, get that zero on, you know, just kind of loosen up and your, your knob is already exposed for you to, to make your adjustments. I like that. I like right, that improvement. Yeah. yeah I've yeah. got, and then the, yeah, but 
and and we kind of got rid of we went away from set screws and we actually have like a, a clamping mechanism now so you just got that single screw that is facing the shooter mm-hmm. all the time right you know so there's no hunting hunting for set screws on the back side of the turret and whatnot right yeah and that, that's always you know that's always been you know a big gripe for me you know the it seemed like that you know those you couldn't whatever tool you were using you know to get in there it was the wrong tool you know it was the wrong way you know you had to if you right. <laughs> needed to reach in yeah. there or something and then you know the I, the old Premier came out with that you know um, you know that clamp on top the tool yeah. yeah the tool yeah. and then I I I like the concept of that. But it seemed like every now and then I would get an adjustment when I didn't want an adjustment. So I didn't feel like that that clamping system was quite ready for prime time yet. I mean, I guess I guess they've got it fixed now. It's been a while since I've I've owned yeah, one of those. I think but so. yeah, but everybody's everybody's using them and they and they love them. So I, I guess it works out pretty good. But yeah, even the old Gen threes, yeah. you know, the old I say old Gen three. <laughs> You know, that it, going in, yeah, a lot of times what we'll see out here at a training facility, Scott, is we get this, we get this, a zero on a gun and it's, it's adjusting in 10th yep. of a mil. And so what we have is we have 0.36 inches at a hundred yards is every 10th of a mil. And so we'll have those rounds that are right underneath our specific impact point. And then if we put a 10th on, it puts it the same distance above the impact point. So we can never get a real true zero. And this is a thing that with y'all, y'all are able to actually get the true zero because you, you turn, you turn the internals, you know, with basically a screwdriver and, and get it exactly where you want. And what was it? Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, just, we just did, Basically, the clicker disconnects from the adjustment, so right. that way you can kind of you can get in between clicks. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it works out really good. And then it it it's so it, it seems like you know we I don't know it just seems like that is that is getting to be a bigger and bigger deal because I believe our rifles and bullets and scopes are getting better, and so are the shooters. You know, and they you know yeah. normally get them to say you know there, there was a time down here we get them to hit hit inside you know an inch at 100 yards we didn't really care where it was inside that inch as right. it was inside that inch and you know now we're looking for that eighth of an inch you know and so the you know especially right. with some of these you know these the gun makers out there and the scope manufacturers and the stock makers and the ammunition guys and the bullet guys they're they're putting so much time and effort into creating something that is well well beyond the accuracy of the person driving the gun and you know sometimes you're going to run across that one to where it really is nice to get between clicks yeah, I think, and, you know, you could probably back this or, you know, talk to this more than I could, but um, at least, well, I know on, on the optic side, the, the the past 10 years have just been kind of a leaps and bounds technology leap, so to speak, over the previous 50 years when it comes to guns and scopes, I, you know? I could not agree um, more. I couldn't agree more. Carry on. You know, and I, I think it's, I think that has, um, I think it has a lot to do with, honestly, like places like Rifles Only, um, you know, putting on these competitions and, um, you know, the, the PRS when it got started and, you know, NRL now and the NRL 22 and all these, all the club matches and all the outlaw matches that still happen, you know, and, and you know, on Frank's website, Sniper's Hide, like all these things have just, created this kind of monster in the precision rifle world that I think we're, I think we're still kind of in the infancy and to be honest with you. Um, I think there's, I think, I think we got a, um, it's going to be interesting to see what this looks like in 10 years. 
I agree. I'll say that. It looks it looks <laughs> it looks a hell of a lot different now than it did ten years ago. I'll I'll tell you that. You know, because yeah. we're you know coming up on well, we're ten years now into this and into the you know the the uh, PRS and it's you know it, it has it has fueled a lot of growth and a lot of new interest and stuff like that. So it it has been interesting. But yeah, going back to what you were saying about the quality of the of the optic, you know, it was it's you're right leaps and bounds and it's just it's just really crazy the the um one story i have is that i taken my niece out whenever she was a lot younger and we got her a cricket 22 young i'm sure you're familiar with those guns oh yeah yeah and so uh it had the little it had a little three quarter inch you know tube you know scope that you could get for it and uh, her father had gotten that and i said well i'm gonna go to walmart and i'm gonna see what they got you know as far as you know getting a, a little bit better optic on there because she was you know, she was doing well and she was liking it. You know, she was liking shooting the 22 and everything else. Anyway, it was like, went over to Walmart and I found something, but then I, I saw on the wall, just in a blister pack, this, uh, it was a straight four power scope and it was 14 bucks. And it was like, what the hell is that? I'm going to get it just for fun. So I got it and it was pl- plastic housing, you know, it's 14 bucks. Who cares? Oh, yeah. So I looked yep. at it and, and it's mill dots and then it adjusts in 10th mill. And I said, well, you know, I, I don't remember the, I don't remember the the name of it or anything else. It's since got, you know, crashed because you drop the gun on it and it shatters. But uh, I looked through there and I said, you know what, I'm going to do a barber pole on this, on this, uh, on this mill reticle that it had in there. It's just a straight mill, you know, not even Gen 2 mill. It was just a straight mill dots. I, yep. Scott, the mills were correct. And then I did a ladder test on it and it was correct. And it was 14 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> And I couldn't believe it. I thought, you know, you're putting that sort of, and all, everything was plastic. Believe me, I got this chance to see the inside of it because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a clumsy guy and I ended up dropping that thing. And I knew as soon as it dropped, it was going to break, but it was 14 bucks. Who cares? So, but right. I, I was pretty amazed at, at how, <laughs> how well it was tracking and everything else. And it, it was just, it was just one of those things that I thought was, I think that's an interesting little story there. Yeah, for sure, man. The, uh, you know, and that, you know, tracking is an interesting, interesting subject, you know, um, I think um, I think the industry as a whole is doing a better job, and and because of the you know forums and and a lot more shooting and whatnot going on, um, people are starting to under understand how scopes work mm-hmm. a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know. But um, you know, I still think there's a, a pretty large percentage of people that kind of look at it at a scope as kind of this magic tube that magnifies things and somehow makes you know elevation and windage adjustments and but how that happens is is this big mystery yeah. you know and um i don't know if you still get that from guys at your place or not but um and it, you know and, and it's the thing of it is it's like it's it's actually a pretty simple thing you yeah. know it's 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 basically your turrets are jacks Right. You know, you, you've got a bias spring and then you get a turret that that is pushing the erector tube, which is housing the reticle mm-hmm. against this, you know. And then when you're when you're turning the screw away from the erector tube, the bias spring is keeping the erector tube tight up against the turret. Right. You know, um, and, you know, and as long as as long as we do our work on our end and figuring out what that thread pitch needs to be before we release a scope, um, you know, the tracking should be good. Right. Right. There's, and, and the thing about it is, is you can't like with a lot of parts, you could say, Oh, well maybe a, a, a tool's wearing down. So that, that part can change or whatnot. But with turrets, it really can't, because if you have 
if one part changes, so let's say the male threads change, well, it still has to be able to screw into the female thread part. Correct. Right. So you have two different parts that are being, you know, machined on CNC machines that if they're not the same, they won't go together. Right. You know, and then on top of that, well, some, you know, you could say, well, what about loose tolerances? It's like, well, yeah, but you also have a bias spring that's keeping all of your adjustments one direction on the, on the thread bearing surface, you know, so the leading edge of the thread is always what your adjustment is being made, made off of. It's always in contact, you know, exactly. So now the one exception to that would be, so if you have your erector tube, right, is sitting essentially in a ball joint, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a gimbal, but I think a lot, a lot of people can relate to a ball joint. Right. Um, you know, if that's too tight or something, you can have some, you know, well, here's a perfect example. Um, I think uh, kind of for decades, there was kind of the um, train of thought of, you know, after you make an adjustment on your scope, tap the scope a few times to make sure it settles in. Right. Oh, yeah, like yeah. that was a thing for many years. Oh yeah. Grew up like and, that. And that, right. And that, and that's simply because, you know, either the erector spring wasn't strong enough in that particular scope. Mm-hmm. If, if it was doing that, you know, most of the times you don't have, you didn't have to do that even on older scopes. Right. right? Um, but what, but say we get that when you're assembling that scope and you get that gimbal too tight, you can end up having, um, you know, the erector tube bind up where the erector spring is no longer strong enough to push that, mm-hmm. um, the erector tube. That being said, on most of your higher end scopes, it goes across the board, not just us. The erector springs are pretty freaking stout. Right. Like you'd, you'd have to, you'd have to really bind that thing up and it just, it just wouldn't get through QC. Right. You know, um, now that being said, if you do have a bound up erector tube, um, you know, where it's just kind of lagging along and not, not adjusting, you know, just catching because the gimbal's too tight. You're only going to see that when you're making um, up adjustments or right adjustments. Because that's when you're actually relying on the erector spring to keep the erector tube tight up against the turret. Right. When you're you're making down adjustments or left adjustments, you're physically pushing the erector tube with the, you know, with the turret screw. Right. So, like, it it literally can't not be adjusting when you're adjusting down or left. You know, mm-hmm. um, the, the only time that could happen is if, say, you, um, you adjusted, you adjusted down and left, but, and then you adjust up and right and it, and the gimbal sticks and then, um, and then you try to go back down and left. Well, you're not touching the erector tube at that point, but at that case, nothing's going to move. Right. Right. Um, but if you, if you shoot in between those shots, generally it's going to be just like tapping on the scope. Yeah. You know, that's where, that's where you see where you get, um, you know, I remember seeing this back in the day. I haven't seen it in quite a long time, to be honest with you. I think most scope companies have this figured out pretty well, but, uh, where you would, you know, you'd be zeroing your rifle, you make a correction 
take a shot and the shot's in the same spot it was before you adjusted. Mm-hmm. And so you make the same adjustment again and now your shot is twice as much as what you want. You know, it's, it's moved twice as far as you wanted it to. Right. right. I think we've probably all seen that before, right? Yeah, I, I have. It has been a while. It, yeah, when yeah, I think about that, it's sure. been a while, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, it, it's it's uh, that's like I say, just over the last ten years, the the advancements that have been made are incredible. I did, I did run into another another uh, another one came through here that was labeled in mill, but actually adjusted in MOA. So that one got away from another. Oh, cover. sure, got yeah. the wrong turret. Got some, yeah, <laughs> got yeah, the wrong, just the turret caps, not even the wrong screw. Yeah, or yes. got the wrong. Got yeah. the wrong screw, wrong or right screw, wrong caps. Exactly, or whatever, exactly. On what it was. Yeah, yeah, that one got away. So that I mean, but again, that's that's easily that's easily fixed. You know, it's just it's it's. Yeah. Uh, other than that, you know, everything everything tracked out perfectly. So if I put ten mils on there, ended up that ended up with uh, twenty five inches. I said, "Wow, that sounds familiar." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, and and that's what you would get too, right? Because if yep. uh, exactly. if you have a company that's using a hundred you know, a hundred splines for the quicker, which right. is 10 mils or 25 MOA. Right. Cause they're generally going to use the same spline. So I don't have to make two different ones. Yeah. It was, sure. yeah, it was pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. But yeah, moving on there. <laughs> I know we, we've talked about, you know, the, the new gen three, um, a lot that I see come through are not your more high end scopes. You know, they're, they're the ones sure. that are in the less expensive range and, you know, the, obviously, you know, the Gen 2 and the Gen 3, you know, they're they're just fantastic, you know, built like a tank and, mm-hmm. you know, heavy and everything else. But, you know, not everybody is in that price range. And so seeing right. seeing some of the other scopes that have come through here and another one, uh, another one that I saw in Vortex was it had to be a very, very old one that was here over the weekend, too. But it, it ran the, gam- the gamut, you know, of, of all the different price ranges. And one of the things that I've been so impressed with is I'm having, I mean, the, you know, the glass is, is clear on all of them. Uh, the clicks are perfect on all of them. It, it's just, it's difficult to find, it's difficult to find fault, you know, when in, in the entire line. And so uh, maybe you'll uh, shed some light on some thought that had gone into some of your lower priced optics. Sure. Yeah. So we, you know, we try to, um, you know, offer the, just the best value we can for the customer mm-hmm. you know um i think um you know we kind of try to match match what's out there but then come in at a lower price mm-hmm. um as best we can um you know and and we have we just have a lot of trickle down of uh you know tribal knowledge that that ends up going into the into the lower end scopes you know mm-hmm. um i mean if you look at our uh like the Venom 525, the Strike Eagle 5 to 25, and then up to the, um, you know, Viper PSP 5 to 25, the Viper Gen 2 PSP mm-hmm. 5 to 25, and then you go up to the Razors after that. Um, but, you know, watching the watching the progression of those scopes just in the time I've been here has been um, just unbelievable, to be honest with you. And, you know, I'm a, and if I if I if I sound like I'm patting myself on the back on any of this stuff, I'm not because all I'm doing is bragging on these engineers in this room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. You know they they're. I mean, we have a just in my just in the department I'm in, we're you know 21 engineers. Yeah. You know, uh, 
just working on, you know, the Vortex line. Right. Um, so it's, uh, like, you know, for example, if you look at the, uh, like the, the strike equal 525, that, if it's, if it's the strike view of the Venom, they're both very close, but they have they have the widest field of view out of any scope in our lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're you know in the five and six hundred dollar price range. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and and they focus down to ten yards. Yeah. So they're like they're they're a great entry level PRS scope. Yep. Or they're a fantastic twenty two scope at any you know, at any level. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. Cause uh, a lot of that, you know, a lot of that, we, you know, we've done 22 classes and 22 competitions and, you know, in, you know, here and in Colorado and it's just, it, it's amazing, you know, that, you know, it, it's everything, it's everything miniaturized. And so whenever you're able to, you know, focus up really close, you know, it, I like it because it, as a, as a match director, who's designing these things, I can put targets, you know, I can do, you know, uh, you know, fields of targets that, you know, range from that 10 yards, you know, to the 150 yards, you know, all during one stage. And then I kind of feel bad, you know, mm-hmm. some people are running the scope that, you know, they can't get it to, you know, they can't get it to come back, you know, any less than 30 meters or 30 yards. And so it's kind of, it's, right. you know, it's good that that that's out there. Now, the only the only other one, and I'm sure you remember this, uh, it's a it's a legacy scope, but it's still pretty good is the five to 25 PM two from Schmidt and Bender. Oh yeah. And yeah. so, well, yeah, I mean, you remember your, your matches back in the day or, or a lot of matches for that, in that case where, you know, you throw in the, the, the five or 10 yard, not, wouldn't even be bad enough to do, you know, a, a seven or 10 or five yard shot. We'd have to do it off the tower shooting down at the, you know, a, 75 angle or something yeah 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 that was that shot that shot was 23 feet from from the from from the uh, deck of the tower to the bottom it was 23 feet to those targets and then you know we also did that one because the, the the shortest sniper shot in you know domestic law enforcement's 11 feet one inch and we did that one time too and uh that that five to 25 you know that pm2 it started out as an air rifle scope and so what you could you could actually you know focus it down that close and then for years, nothing, nothing, there was nothing produced that could, that could focus that close, you know, until, you know, I guess over the last, you know, 10 years, that's where it started to go again. Yeah. Even honestly, I don't even know if there was much 10 years ago. No, no. As I think about it, I think, I think PM2 was still the only option. Yeah. I'll tell you what's amazing. You know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll give credit where credit's due and man, that scope was just ahead of its time. Oh, no you question. know, I mean, you think about that. You know, those guys were designing that scope in, you know, 2003, 2004. Finally made it over to the States. I think I got one in, like, 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, and it still holds its own today. It does hold its own today. I, you know, when one of the things that had happened, um, we had we had one come in, and we put it on we put it on a GA precision rifle that we called SH-50. And, um, that was, that was a 308 that, you know, whenever somebody came down for class and, you know, they were, they were, I remember that rifle. Yeah. Well, they were, you know, what they were doing is they were, you know, hand loading, you know, up in, you know, colder climates and stuff. They come down here and none of their ammo worked, you know what I mean? And it was, you know, cause it was just too much pressure or something happened to their gun. Well, we would hand them SH 50. And so I put, I had that happen. I just put the, the five to 25, the PM two on there. And we were up at the tower and we were, it was a fairly large class. I think it was like 15 people in it. And 
I was, of course, we had spotters, you know, three spotters on the tower and, and everybody up there. And we're just getting dope out to a thousand. It's starting to get pretty late in the day because it's, you know, it's it's winter time. And so, you know, it's starting to get dark. And I'm I'm up there with a spotter and it's the last guy on there. And I, I'm standing right behind him. And he's, you know, I'm I'm watching as we're getting to him because we're not getting to him shooting. And I'm with my spotting mm-hmm. scope. We're at a thousand yards and I'm having a really difficult time you know, calling those shots where they were missing on the berm so that people could get a good number for their dope. Well, this guy, I hear him calling every single one, every single one. And I'm like, you know, so it came to him, he got his dope. And I said, let me on that gun. And I looked through there and I just, just the comparison between, you know, the other scopes at the time and that one, it it was, it, it wasn't quite night and day, but it was definitely better. You were right. I mean, they, they really, that, that is a scope that has, you know, handled the test of time as is the, um, you know, the, the old Leopold Mark fours, you know, the, the single power, the 10 power yeah. and the straight 16s, you know, those are the, you know, those are the tanks of, you know, of the eighties and nineties. So it, it's, it's interesting, like you say, but then now, you know, if, if you wanted that PM2, you know, of course it's going to cost you, you know, it, it's going to cost you hell. They'll cost you today. But then now, you know, you have, you have like you guys are coming out with these scopes that I see come through here that I know are not in the 3000 range. You know what I mean? They're in the, you know, they're in the 800, you know, they're in the the 1500 range and they're performing as well as those PM2s were doing back then. You know what I mean? It's like the, it it seems like that, that y'all taken and embrace that technology and put it together to where we have really good low light capability and, and uh, obviously the the adjustments and everything are so much better now and all that, but it, it's fantastic. It's fantastic, man. Yeah. You still get the, the 10 yard focus, the you know, no tunneling at low power, uh, you know, wide field of view everywhere. Um, you know, so it's, uh, it, it, you know, and like I said, it's, it's not just us. I mean, we, um, you know, I think we've done some things right and, and we we're, Luckily for just having awesome customers, we're, we're able to continue to, you know, develop stuff, you know, now you, got, you got, you have some very, very brand loyal customers. And I mean, the, the reason why is the way y'all take care of them. I know that they were getting ready for a matchup in central Texas and, um, the guy was out there the day before, you know, and he was, you know, going to be, you know, working the match, but they were getting the place ready. And he left his rifle in the field to go answer the phone. It got run over by a John Deere, like a, a bat wing mower. And so his, mm-hmm. uh, his, uh, you know, his rifle was okay, but you know, his, his gen two, I mean, it was, it was destroyed, you know, through, I mean, I mean, this, this is his fault. You know what I mean? He calls up Vortex and says, Hey, overnight me a scope. And he said, hold on just a second, wait. And then, uh, we realized that this is your fault, but we're sending you a new one. So they overnighted him a new scope. All he had to do was send the broke one back. So Vortex could figure out what their scopes actually couldn't take, but you, you, yeah. you throw one yeah, into a freaking sure. wood chipper and that's gonna, that's gonna tear it up. But yeah. And that's, that's the reason why, you know, Vortex took care of him, not only with a new optic, but getting it in time for him to compete in the match, which, you know, that, that breeds a lot of loyalty. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, and honestly, I don't, I don't think we're doing anything that, uh, you know, is rocket science, right? We, we just, we treat customers the way we'd like to be treated. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, but it's really just as simple as that, you know? Um, and we do what we say we're going to do. Yeah. Um, you know, so like I said, it's not, it's not rocket science. Um, and you know, having, I I can't express enough how awesome the customers we have. I mean, it's, I mean, it's just fantastic. 
It really is. Well, good. Well, what do you have in the line of, of, um, you know, the, the shorter range carbine type, uh, optic, you know, the, you know, for the M4s or anything like that, y'all got anything that's really standing out and, and working really well or something coming up in the future on that side of the house? Oh yeah. I think, um, quite honestly, as, uh, as well as we do high max stuff, we'll really shine with LPVO. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've, we've, kind of put a lot of work in there we've had been um you know fortunate enough to have um some tier one elements you know running our razor one to six for gosh since 2013 14 mm-hmm. uh, you know and then uh then just a couple of years ago we came out the, the gen 3 razor one to ten which mm-hmm. um uh, you know has in my opinion an even slightly better eye box than the Razor One to Six, which I didn't think would ever happen. Right. Um, it, it's uh, you know, we really like to be able to, as a team here, to you know, when you look through, when you're looking through scopes, to kind of have the, the scope, so to speak, disappear. Right. You know, to where you're just kind of looking at image. Right. You know. Yep. Um, that's that's one of the things we go for, and you know, we don't. Don't get it perfect every time, but generally with our higher end stuff, we we get pretty dang close. Yeah. Well, I forget think. forgive you my know. forgive my ignorance on this next question, but do y'all do anything with red dots? Oh yeah. See, I was unaware oh, of that. So, I mean, that's yeah, we, that's not my that's not my side of the house. Yeah, it's so, not your forte, right? No. no. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, yeah red dots have been a big part of Vortex. Um, so yeah, we've got oh geez, right now we have. Uh, three different pistol red dots. Then we have the uh, kind of the, the smaller, like T1 footprint um, red dots with the, so the Spark Solar, uh, Spark AR, and then the full size red dots, the Strike Fire. Right. Um, you know, and everything. Every and that's that's another place where technology has grown leaps and bounds. You know. Uh, you know, years ago, like battery life on red dots, you know, basically kind of the one company that had a red dot that would last, you know, a year or more on right. one battery, you know, and now, now there's, now there's a few, you know, and, and we're one of them, right? There's, right. Um, I don't, you know, I think all, besides the pistol red dots, just because, you know, with the capacity of the 22, 2032 batteries or even a 1632 and one of them, um, bit harder to get that battery life but if you know running a, a, a one two three or double a's you know um, everything we have is running over fifty thousand hours now wow well that's a that's a few days yeah right i mean i'm not sure the batteries themselves just the the chemical structure of the battery can last that long <laughs> yeah, but, step to step. but if it does the led will it will be powered so. Nice. Well, on the on the precision rifle side of the house, you know the the long gunning. Um, do y'all have anything yeah. coming up that that uh, anything in the in the works or on the drawing board that y'all are looking at? Um, no, when you know we just came out with that six thirty six, and that that been in the works for a long, you know, mm-hmm. for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the uh, uh, the Strike Eagle five twenty five and Venom five twenty five came out just in the past year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we're kind of, we're pretty fresh 
on those right now. Yeah. Um, you know, there will, we're always working on new stuff though. Um, you know, just not at liberty to talk about that stuff at this point, but, right. um, you know, but we're, we're always working on something. Well, that's um, good. You know, I think there's the, the next, uh, I would say, well, honestly, definitely I'm excited for the next, you know, one to five years okay. um, and every year in between there for sure. Um, well, good, good. I look, I look forward to seeing it. So, um, it, or is if like I called, if I called you tomorrow and said I, I need one of these, one of these Gen threes, um, what would be my wait time for them, or are they ready, ship ready to go? Um, they are, as far as I know, I, I want to say the, the MRADs have a lightweight that mm-hmm. being said you can find a dealer that has them in stock i don't mm-hmm. i don't think we have besides our applied ballistics well that's another product that just came out that or not just came out but came out a couple of years ago the applied ballistics um laser rage right and binos mm-hmm. um but uh the as far as i know the last i looked um the 636 moa is in stock Mm-hmm. The MRAD, you know, dealer might have to wait a little bit if they order an MRAD right now. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I've, you know, there's, I don't think there's any of our products that you can't find at a dealer right now, except for possibly the Fly Ballistic Fury Rangefinders, just because we, we got hit with the chip, chip shortage issue yeah. there. So, yeah. so we're trying to play catch up. Got it. Got it. Well, Scott. Have you, have you. Have you had a chance to use those AB Furies yet, real quick? Uh, actually, I have not. I have not. It's been um, it's been one of those things that I, you you know where most of my time is spent, and so I basically have to use a lot of the equipment that comes in with those guys. And so, um, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. So I haven't I haven't had a chance to go out and do anything. You know, personally, I bought a new rifle last year. Uh, I am in the market for a new laser rangefinder. I just haven't I haven't started asking the people who know about laser range finders, exactly what I need <laughs> to get to do that. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, uh, I, I just haven't, I mean, I've got one, you know, that, that has worked for me for a long time. I'm getting ready to upgrade it. And so I'm, I'm just, I know one thing that whenever I got, whenever I got the one that I'm using now, uh, there is a buttload more technology in what's available out there than it was whenever I got this one. And so, Again, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that has changed and that was, you know, that was one of the things, you know, as a, as a high end laser range finder, so I would take very good care of it and everything else. And then I'm looking out there now and I've seen, I've seen a few people come through on, uh, the high angle course, you know, that actually has, you know, it's got the inclinometer inside the laser range finding mm-hmm. binoculars and things like that. Yep. So, yeah. And I know that they're coming up with pretty good firing solutions. I'm typically checking those firing solutions that they have against real war conditions that we've already, cause we've shot there so much, you know, with so many different calibers yeah. and here at rifles only too. And so it's one of the things that amazed me the most, um, you know, on, on any of them, whether, you know, you're using, you know, the applied ballistics at the G7 or any of the other ones using G1. And even Frank Galley and I talked about this, you know, years ago, we were up on the tower and it's like everything, you know, if you put, if you put in good information, it's like everything is going to be within two tenths, you know, and it's saying, you know, two tenths of a mil is 7.2 inches at 3000 feet away. I mean, it's a big win. It's a really big win. And so it's, 
it, it's something that I'm going to uh, I'm going to start exploring pretty soon, and so I will uh, I will definitely be bending your ear on on getting some advice on that. Yeah, the uh, so the so you're familiar with like the went like the the wind bearing capture mode. I yes. what they oh, call yeah. it on the cast on the Castro. Yeah. yeah. You know, so we actually we actually built that into the to the to the laser ray trying to binos. Mm-hmm. Um so so you have you literally have everything in the range trying to bino. The only thing you don't have is a wind meter. Right. Um but for somebody like you that's been shooting doing this for a long time and, and more so calling yeah. spotting for much longer yeah spotting <laughs> doing what do, you do i do a hell of a lot more spotting pretty, than i do shooting right you know i'm pretty sure you can uh estimate wind relatively well yeah um, wind wind is wind is uh you know we up, up on the spend that time up on the tower you get a really good good feel for what it feels like and you know what it looks like downrange so yeah i'm oh, not gonna, yeah. i know that there's there's people that are out there that are better at it than me but um, I, I would, uh, I, if we, it was a competition, I might not win, but they know I'd show it up. Yeah. So with these binos, you can, you know, you can turn into the wind, you capture that bearing mm-hmm. and then just start ranging your targets and you get your, you get your holds and your, and your wind hold nice. um, for whatever mile an hour wind you put in, nice. you know, um, I find like, honestly, Man, unless the wind's just being really funky, mm-hmm. I hardly ever pull out the Kestrel anymore using those. Yeah, um, you know, because it's because it's compensating for the direction of fire and everything just on the fly. You right. know, I'll take a look at those um, on your website. Yeah, they, it's uh, there, there's there's the number. You know, I think uh, you know the guys running those sniper competitions and stuff. They're most of those teams are running them, I believe. Yeah. Um, so they're definitely check them out. I'll try to. I'll see if I can round up a pair. You can check out. Yeah, I'll T&E I'll that get stuff. Your opinion on it? Absolutely, I'd love to T&E that. That'd be great. Well, man, we're at about that time, Scott, and I, we've. That uh, seems like the time flew by, man. I I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to to visit with us here at the at the podcast, man. It it really it it's it's nice. It's nice that somebody like you would take the time to to visit with us and educate us on things that you're going on with your company. Anytime, Jacob, I appreciate it. All right, man. You heard me announce it at the, uh, at the beginning of the podcast there, the brawl is the third weekend in February. Yeah. So if you want to come down and shoot it, man, let us know. We'd love to have you. It'd be great. Yeah. I, I need to get out more. I, 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 I gotta get back out there for sure. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, you, you're, you'll be, you'll be very well received and welcome. So we would love to have you. Awesome, man. Well, thank you very much for having me, Jacob. I appreciate it. Tell yeah. me about it. Hello. I'll do it, man. And stay on with me for just a little bit and we'll wrap this up. All right, guys. Thanks for uh, listening to the podcast again, everybody. Remember, you can email questions to us. I get a bunch of them, and i got to be a little bit selective about what we have time to go with. But it's ROAP at RiflesOnly.com. Get to RiflesOnly.com. Get on the newsletter. The train-up and the brawl are coming up. Uh, all your products that are on the on the website and classes, and come see us. We're working out of Kingsville, Texas, Colorado, and New Hampshire these days. So come and see us and come and shoot with us.